Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. I'm Sarah, a medical anthropologist and team member in the Innovation Support Unit in the Department of Family Practice at the University of British Columbia. And I'm Morgan, a family doctor and also a team member in the Innovation Support Unit. Hey Morgan, it's been a while and I know we're busy working on season six of the Team Up podcast. That's right. We're working on a different season. We've heard from people that wanted to focus more on nursing roles in primary care teams. So that's what we're going to do for season six. And I'm going to be heading off virtually to the American Anthropological Association Conference in Toronto. The theme of this year's conference is transformations. Um, So thinking about this, we put together a special podcast episode focus on the implementation supports that the ISU has developed over the last couple of years to really support the transformation of primary care and primary care teams in clinics and in communities. I think this would be really interesting for our team up audience. So why don't we share it today? Great. Here it is. I think we're not unique in the pressures that we've been facing with aging populations, complexity, growing mental health issues and shrinking supply, not only of providers, but also of available in-person appointment time. And with the tremendous workload, the administrative burdens they have, and then of course you throw COVID in there, it actually led to a number of physicians either retiring earlier or leaving family practice altogether. It was just too much stress. So just haven't had a whole lot of luck recruiting into the open positions. And we've also had a social worker position posted for over a year and so far haven't had a single applicant. I'd really like to see high functioning teams within the clinic because not only does that benefit our providers and take some of the load up of their shoulders, but also it benefits the patients downstream. We need something to help clinics start thinking about how they would work as a team. I think we are going to face an inequity in supply and demand in our current structure and system for years to come. Primary care in BC is facing a number of challenges and is currently at the start or in the middle of a huge transformation effort with policy and funding moving to support the shift to team-based care in primary care. The Innovation Support Unit, a small team based in the Department of Family Practice at UBC, was initially set up about five years ago to focus on innovation in primary care. I'm Sarah, and I'm a medical anthropologist and a member of the ISU team. We've really worked to create these very adaptable, flexible tools that can be easily used in communities to accelerate engagement and support planning for team-based care. I had the opportunity to connect with some ISU team members and a few of our community partners to reflect on how our tools are working in practice. The really interesting thing that has emerged from these conversations is that Even though these tools have been designed to be adaptive and are definitely useful, they aren't adaptive enough. More needs to change. And we need to kind of figure out what the next thing is. And as you listen to these stories of supports that we've created for the team level, for the community level, it'll kind of become evident that there's something else we need to be thinking about next. Hey, Morgan. It's good to see you. It's been about, like, what, 10 minutes since our last meeting? It's been about 10 minutes, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But can I get you to introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about the Innovation Support Unit? Yeah, I'm I'm Morgan Price, and I'm a family doctor and the director of the Innovation Support Unit. I'm faculty at UBC, and over the last five years, 
we've really been focusing the ISU on supporting team-based care in primary care, mostly in British Columbia. That's a lot longer than what we first thought. We thought we would start helping with some team-based care stuff and then move on to other aspects of primary care. And this was all pre-pandemic when we started. Uh, but as the changes in BC got more extensive, Sarah, we stayed focused on team-based care and, and helped with the more strategic changes that are happening in the system. So I'm wondering if I can get you to tell us a little bit about kind of team mapping as one of our first areas of focus. So yeah, so when we started the ISU, we really tried to, and we still do, partner with folks in the community that have real-world questions. And one of our friends and colleagues approached us with a question that was, we are about to start one of the first interdisciplinary teams in primary care in our community. We know who we're going to hire. We've got funding. We've got a building. But we don't know how to be a team. Can you help? So we looked around. And we said, there's got to be something about that. Of course there was. There's lots of material about you know, high-functioning teams and features. And there was materials to read and things to watch. But there wasn't a lot, Sarah, on getting the team members to work together on how they wanted to work together. And so that idea is what became team mapping. We started to think about what was a co-design process that we could facilitate that was patient-centered, and we put the patient in the center of a circle, literally, and, and how do we get people to talk about that persona of a patient to figure out how they wanted to work together. And we flew out to Kamloops and we ran a session. And we worked with a lot of teams along the way. Well, and, and lots of different types of teams. So big teams and small teams, virtual teams, co-located teams, teams that don't exist yet, teams that just got formed last week, and teams that have been around for 20 years. And it's worked differently in each of those areas, and, it, and it's worked pretty well uh, when you get the right people around the table talking about what a patient needs. We all tend to start to help. And that's kind of, I think, the secret sauce for team mapping. I also had the chance to connect with someone who's now really close to the ISU, a great friend of ours who was involved in some of our early team mapping. Hey, Amanda, I'm so excited to see you. And my baby's waking up, which is, of course, going to happen. Hi, buddy. He's smiling. You guys can't see, but we're right now we're getting smiles from the cutest baby ever. <laughs> I suppose we should probably chat about the things we need to chat about. I'm Amanda Fraser. I am currently on maternity leave. And when I'm not on leave, I'm the strategic lead for primary care transformation, which includes implementation supports with the innovation support unit. And I've had the luxury of working with the team for the last three and a half years. But before that, I actually was working in community with the Campbell River and District uh, Division of Family Practice. Now, it's probably worth noting that in BC, there's a number of divisions in different regions of the province. Uh, each division is a nonprofit. The Campbell River Division of Family Practice is a small community organization that represents family doctors in a rural community of about 35,000 people. So in that position, I was leading the early development of primary care networks. So I was scouring what was available for supports came across team mapping. And this is when we used to do team mapping in person on actual maps, large, laminated, kind of bullseye-looking maps. And so we headed up to Campbell River, about a four-hour drive from Victoria, with what was then our very small ISU team. And we brought together three clinics from across the community to start exploring uh, team-based care and how they would work together, uh, which was super effective in starting the dialogue of what team-based care could look like, particularly within these private um, fee-for-service clinics. 
And team mapping is a great example of exactly how, as an innovation unit, we want to work. The community identifies a problem, we review evidence, design a thing, pilot it, refine it, and scale it. And really, we've been able to scale team mapping quite well. We developed facilitator training, it's all open source, and over the past couple of years, we've delivered training to over 375 facilitators across the province and across Canada. It's worth mentioning that the rapid scaling of this was really made possible by some amazing collaborations with both Health Quality BC and Doctors of BC with their practice support program. And now it's the practice support coaches that are really the people out in communities on the ground supporting clinics who are primarily using this tool. There's a lot of value to team mapping and we're still doing it. It helps people work together on how they want to work together or become a team. But team mapping just doesn't work for everything. It became pretty obvious fairly quickly that we needed to think about the next level of supports. I asked Morgan about the time team mapping broke. So Morgan, can you tell me what happened when we tried to kind of stretch team mapping a little bit too far? Yeah, this one came really clearly. We kind of hit a sweet spot with team mapping, but what was happening at the same time is that communities were starting to plan what they wanted for their primary care networks, which were larger than teams. They were multiple teams in a geographic area. And we started to do larger team mapping sessions with multiple tables, and so multiple teams at multiple tables. And that that worked okay. That worked really well, actually. It was kind of exciting to do. and Like a big event with dinner. <laughs> yeah, we'd have dinner, and we, we'd run a three-hour session, and it was a big deal, and people got to compare different teams. And it was it was fun. And then we got asked if we could do that, but for three networks simultaneously. And that's when team mapping broke. Because team mapping is for clinical teams figuring out how they want to work together. And what we had were stakeholders coming together and the people that were there were representatives. They were different teams talking about what they did. The funny thing with that was we we knew we needed something different before we went into the session. <laughs> right, we were telling them it wasn't going to work. <laughs> but But it was funny because they were promised team mapping and they had heard about it and they really wanted that, even though it wasn't the right fit. It was the wrong level of tool for the people that were there. And that's where we came up with the primary and community care mapping. We call it pack mapping. And pack mapping starts to talk about those service needs and how different organizations can coordinate together. And one of the first communities that we had the chance to sort of pilot our pack mapping with was in Nanaimo. I'm Leslie Keenan, Executive Director of the South Island Division of Family Practice and been here for two years. And then prior to that, I was with the Nanaimo Division of Family Practice Up Island. And previous to that, two years with the North Shore Division of Family Practice. So I've been, I've been around the block. Although Nanaimo and South Island are really very different communities, the primary care issues in those communities are so similar. You know, on the backdrop of COVID and the opioid crisis, we have challenges with health human resources and training and recruitment, provider burnout, patients without family doctors, and kind of system challenges with capacity and access. And in Nanaimo, we learned that there was a significant wait list for patients waiting to see psychiatrists. And the coordination of mental health and substance use services for patients with mild to moderate symptoms was identified by the community as a gap. 
And then, of course, you know, you came along with the opportunity to host a PAC mapping session with psychiatrists, family physicians, and MHSU staff. And it was an interesting process because, well, at first glance, it seemed kind of complicated. It's actually very simple. And it, it's beautifully so. And at that time, we weren't doing the digital work that you're doing now. We had a right, large like piece a of paper. Paper map on a table. <laughs> yep, on the table. And what we did is we plotted out the various MHSU services in Nanaimo. And we simply ran um, patient personas through the services that were available at that time. And it identified gaps for us, but more importantly, it actually expanded our collective awareness of how we could use the system in a much more efficient way. And so much of what we see in the value of pack mapping is really in this awareness raising across communities that come together. And we've seen this process facilitate some real changes on the ground. And following that work, we developed a family physician psychiatrist model where specially oriented trained physicians would work with a psychiatrist on that long wait list with the family physician doing consults with the patients and connecting with the psychiatrist as needed. And if memory serves me correctly, that wait list went down from 1,000 people to 30 in, I think it was a period of a year. You know, that's an amazing outcome. And they were already doing this work in the community, so pack mapping, of course, can't take all the credit here. But this pilot was a great proof of concept for the method. We refined and adapted it as we went. And keep in mind that you know the first pilot of this was in person in January of 2020. So very quickly, everything changed, and we moved this to a virtual platform. And we've been working in this way ever since. I had the chance to connect with Aaliyah from the ISU to talk a little bit more about pack mapping. So my name is Aliyah, uh, ISU team member with the team for the past uh, couple of years. Most recently, uh, really coming in full into our primary care transformation work to lead our primary and community care mapping strategy across the province. So tell me about your favorite pack mapping session. Oh, such a good question. We did one that was kind of looking at how service providers were kind of allocated across the communities. It was all centered around pharmacy and pharmacy services. I think everyone got to get together and really think collaboratively in terms of like how they were delivering services together and what it actually looked like on the ground. So that's kind of like an adaptation, right? We knew it wasn't quite team mapping because they really were talking about uh, pharmacists in different parts of the community but it really was how they were going to be working together as a team a little bit more than our typical pack mapping session. Yeah. And I think that's the magic of all of our kind of ISC mapping tools is just that they're so adaptable and flexible and we really like people to kind of take them and run with them. So I thought it was a really creative use of some of our tools, but that was really well adapted to the community and really worked well for them to kind of connect and, and collaborate. What's the most exciting thing about pack mapping? The exciting thing about pack mapping for me is just the amount of connection that happens across the community. I think it's often surprising for participants how much they didn't really know about the people that are working around them and the services that are working around them. From the equity side, I think pack mapping 
does a really good job of allowing facilitators and communities to think about how they want to bring equity, diversity, inclusion into the sessions up front in that we work through persona of these case examples that we'll bring into the session to allow us to talk through some of the care priorities and care challenges. And I think that you really get this unique opportunity to think about diverse needs. So we know that these tools are really useful and communities get a lot of value here and they're super flexible. We also know that there are definitely challenges that can hinder the effectiveness of pack mapping and team mapping. And sometimes things can come out of sessions that we're not expecting. My name is Megan Sloan, and I am the manager for the Capet Primary Care Network. I see my role as guiding both the future and current state of implementation of teams into primary care, so supporting family physicians and nurse practitioners to increase their capacity and comprehensiveness of care. Cathet is the regional district that surrounds the city of Powell River. It's a rural, geographically dispersed community, and we've had the opportunity to work with Cathet in a number of different ways, including pack mapping. We, again, not unlike many communities, have had a shortage of providers emerge for maternity care, including nursing staff as well. Um, so there's been a lot of work behind the scenes to look at our model and think about how to manage the demand with the supply that we had. And Cathette used pack mapping as a tool to explore the coordination of maternity services. Megan had some interesting reflections on what worked and what didn't work in their pack mapping session. I think it's interesting because bringing a group together to do team mapping or community mapping, I feel like everybody needs to be fairly comfortable to speak up. And I think we had some people on our call that weren't comfortable speaking up and didn't actually say what they were thinking. So then when we got feedback on the report, it came to light that some of what was brought forward was not like people weren't actually in agreement with that. But that's still a good starting point because you can reflect back the disagreement and start to unpack it a bit more. So I think it it's still valuable because you you start to see one side of the a vision emerging and then it gives people the opportunity to gut check that and and understand what would or wouldn't work. What's interesting here is that although the outcomes of the mapping itself didn't end up aligning with what the community wanted, the process of the mapping did uncover some of these challenges and got everyone together to the table in a different way. And these kind of moments are, I think, a key part of transformation efforts and the supports that are needed behind them. Primary care is a complex system, and there's a lot of change happening right now in communities as they work toward more team-based care models. But so much of the challenges and the context is really coming from the systems level. We realized, you know, we have great tools now to support teams thinking about working together differently. And then we have pack mapping to get communities together. But additional support is needed at the systems level, and particularly when we think about how governance is working. What needs to change for governance to be successful? And in a small community like ours as well, it's all the same players. So we, we talk to each other a lot. 
health authority director, health authority manager, division manager, physician. There are so many intersections. But we had a, you know, sort of a high level philosophical conversation this morning. And it's something that we hear often from our family physicians who really know their patients quite well here. What we often hear is by the time the person is in my office, it's almost too late. There's so much work I think that we can do around collective ownership of health, social connectivity, good sleep, good food to eat, a roof over your head. Oftentimes people are going into their family physician door because it's the only publicly funded door open looking for like psychological or social support. Really, when we think about primary care transformation, there are so many systems at play and so many overlapping roles and areas of responsibility. Morgan, you and I talk about this a lot. How do we encourage system change, work upstream to really kind of engage and improve primary care? What do you think is needed next? So I think you're, you're right. It's complex. We're hoping to have groups work together that are independent and yet they coexist. And so there's some hopefully symbiosis across different organizations. And there's some reciprocal accountabilities and other big words that need to be <laughs> thought about. That it's often multiple organizations trying to figure out how to work together. And while pack mapping and team mapping are very clinically focused, I think there's definitely some, some need for something to actively support people better understanding how to work together on governance and planning. But people don't have that conversation. And so I think what we need next is that, that level of governance mapping that helps people understand the different roles, the accountabilities in those roles, and, and the people that might hold them. And you know, we've done some interesting things in our own little team, kind of very small scale, when we think about, we've drawn from reinventing organizations and the idea of teal organizational structures. How do you work in a non-hierarchical way and have really clear roles and accountabilities built into our processes? But then it gets really challenging when you think about how do you translate that to the health system, which is probably one of the most hierarchical systems that exists, right? It, it is and it isn't. Because you don't have a hierarchy in primary care the same way as you do in a hospital. Right. Because it's different orgs. And so the different organizations are not necessarily hierarchical. They're just different. And they might have overlapping areas of responsibility or not. And so defining those in terms of the planning and the governance, I think that that is really the space to think about. It's tricky, though. But I do think that that kind of ecological model of different groups having clear purpose and roles is a better fit than your more traditional org chart kind of structure. So maybe that's the kind of next space we have to move into when we think about how are we going to support this transformation? I think so. Amanda got really excited when I asked her about her thoughts on kind of the next thing that might be needed to support primary care transformation. We need to think about what are these organizations that come to the table what are they each responsible for? What's their unique domains and where are they overlapping and collaborating? And I think that can be a little bit vague. It's new to communities. It's new to these governing bodies to work in this way. 
So creating a tool or support to help accelerate some of that work and bring clarity to the domains does help to break down those power dynamics and traditional silos. That's where we see the strongest benefit and potential outcome of these tools and resources. And I think really that's where we're at now. If there's one thing that we've learned as we've been working through supporting the transformation to team-based care, it really is that, you know, there are a whole range of needs at different levels of the system. I asked Megan and Leslie what they thought needed to change to make these kind of primary care transformation efforts work for communities. I think acknowledging that we don't necessarily need a collective steering committee, um, that we will work together as partners, but that it really is the primary care teams and the network of clinics that are driving this change forward. You know, what am I hoping for? I, I've worked in the BC healthcare system now for over 40 years. So I've seen it all. I think now we tend to overcomplicate things. So my hope is for a supportive healthcare system that's responsive to physician and patient needs within an overriding principle of self-government where local physicians, patients, and community lead what they need. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about the Innovation Support Unit and what we're doing to support team-based care in British Columbia, please see the show notes for this episode. Or you can visit isu.familymed.ubc.ca. We love feedback and we'd love to hear from you. Recording? All good? Mm-hmm. I think so. Hey, Morgan. So I know we're busy working on season six of the Team Up podcast. That's right. We're editing away right now, and uh, we've changed gears. We've heard from providers and communities, and so we're putting together the next season, which is going to be focused on nurses in primary care. And I'm going to be heading off virtually uh, to the American Anthropological Association Conference in Toronto in a couple weeks. And the theme of this year's conference was transformations. Um, We put together a special podcast episode for this conference focused on implementation supports that the ISU has developed uh, to support the transformation of primary care. So the stuff that we've been doing in the ISU. Right. And I I think that'd be great to share with, with the audience on Team Up. So here it is. <laughs> We've got to do that again. Sorry. <laughs> I feel Let's like we want to go back and again. forth. Yeah, yeah.
Hey, Morgan. It's been a while, and I know we're busy working on season six of the Team Up podcast. That's right. We're working on a different season. We've heard from people that uh, we wanted to focus more on nursing roles in primary care teams. So that's what we're going to do for season six. And I'm going to be heading off virtually really soon to the American Anthropological Association Conference in Toronto. The theme of this year's conference is transformations. Um, so thinking about this, we put together a special podcast episode focus on the implementation supports that the ISU has developed over the last couple of years to really support the transformation of primary care and primary care teams in clinics and in communities. I think this would be really interesting for our team up audience. So why don't we share it today? Great. Here it is. That sounded better. Much better. See, a couple times. Yeah. It's all now takes. we're good. Now we're good to go. Now, do you, do you want an outro? <clears throat> I don't think it needs it. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Then let's press stop.